Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Nurse Q&A. Today, I have with me Nurse Michelle and Nurse Kimberly, and we are actually celebrating, yes, you guessed it, one year on the air as radio talk show hosts and podcasters. Welcome, ladies. (laughs) Thank you, Jenna. Can you believe it? What an incredible journey this has been. I know just the amount of people we've met over this last year. So hard to believe it's been a year. What what a fast year. A fast year. It has been so fast. I think time for the last three years, many of you listeners out there can relate to how fast time is moving. And yeah, you know, we all have our... um, reasons why we think that's happening. Um, you you are listening to three nurses who actually believe in the Bible as being prophetic in nature. And with where we're at and where we've seen this world going and how many people fell away and how many people have been called, you, you we've actually shared a lot of um a lot of these people with you as guests on our show. And yeah, right. Like Michelle said, it's crazy how many people we have met and where we have come in the last year. It's it's pretty wild. Are there any shows for you ladies that stand out for you? Yeah, talking to Senator Reinbold um, up in Alaska, getting to hear her unbelievable story of persecution through the pandemic, how the powers that be literally tried to do everything they could to stop her from making it into the house to be able to vote. And when you're, and when you're in Alaska and you've got to get to your capital, that meant literally um, not, they weren't going to let her fly because the, even the airplane people had um, banned her from the flights because she didn't wear a mask. So this woman has to, you know, drive through the wilderness and through the snow and get on a ferry that's four hours long, drive into the United States and into Canada just to get to her capital because they wouldn't let her get to the capital. It's just an unbelievable story. Yeah, I think I've had I've I've actually been posting some of my favorite episodes uh, leading up to the the one year anniversary of Nurses Out Loud. I've you know really wanted to hear from the listeners like what are some of yours. Um, my favorite is is pro- definitely uh, Dr. Richard Urso's episode. That was my highest rated episode. It was uh, really a big fan favorite. Um, he was amazing. I've I've been saying ever since I've got to get him back on. So 
we'll work on that. Um, but I think that one, I think the journey to option C, which was with uh, Lourdes and Chris Lavoie was a very powerful episode. Um, and if you've not had a chance to to listen to that, it's it's so important on how you can advocate for yourself and really find that path to wellness uh, to, from healing yourself from cancer naturally. It's a really phenomenal episode. And uh, of course, my episode... Um, that I I did uh, about my my late husband, and that situation was uh, very personal for me and uh, very uh, poignant. I feel like, yeah, that was a powerful. Both of those episodes were great. I think mm-hmm. for me, probably if I had to pick one, it would be a thousand widows, a thousand widows yeah. meeting. Curtis and Lori, who was actually on the, on the, on the show. And I, yeah, that was, that was earlier this year. I was actually their first, uh, first interview that they have given since they started it. And, and yeah, big things coming out for a thousand widows, just a little bit of background. It was a couple of widows that's that got together that met one another by chance on an airplane and was talking about how their husbands had passed away and then they talked about the series of events that led up to it and they realized that they had a lot in common and so once they you know put that put that out there into the world and and weren't shamed by it right because that is what mainstream media and, you know, people left extremists want you to think is that, you know, they did the best they could and, and all of these things. They realized that they, you know, there was a lot of commonalities between them and they identified actually 27 commonalities. And, and it really just touched me because as a nurse working through COVID, I realized and I knew that, you know, it was the hospital death protocol that killed many people. Yeah. And everybody was talking about how it was COVID killing. And that's what they were trying to convince all of us, you know, when our patients were coming in and despite all of our best efforts, they just weren't getting any better. And, you know, I've never seen anything like this. And but they were convincing us that it was COVID and it was just so sad. It's COVID. It's killing everybody. Um, But that wasn't the case at all, because, you know, and I say this all the time, we weren't pulling bodies out of homes. We weren't pulling bodies off of the streets. The only place anyone was dying were, were in the hospitals. So was it COVID or was it the complete and total medical mismanagement of COVID? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was listening to on a um, a lot of commentary under somebody's accusation about a particular drug that was misused during the COVID pandemic. Um, the a lot of the comments were saying for you you all that are implying that there was a uh, conspiracy of some kind to kill people. Um, you're you're ridiculous. That means that all the nurses would have had to be complicit. And I'm like, no, they're missing the whole point. This is an area we've got to really make sure people understand that, that we're talking about. I mean, I remember my new student graduate daughter saying, mom, I was just asked to hang a drug called remdesivir. Is that that drug you've been teaching me about? She doesn't know anything about that drug. She has a hurry and go hang a drug. She knows nothing about because she has to hurry and get to the next patient because of patient shortage, you know, nursing shortages or whatever, because of the mass exodus. And these nurses are just doing what the doctors are ordering them to do. 
And what we learned is these doctors were doing against their own knowledge, what the NIH was telling them to do. So we would say, it's not that nurses had to all be like in on it, saying that we're going to all do something to harm these patients. What we're saying is there was a protocol that was set down and apparently nurses within the, in the world right now are so stressed with their patient loads and, and uh, nursing shortages that they're just doing whatever the doctor ordered. And maybe they don't know about this drug, this new drug on the scene called Valkyrie or Remdesivir or whatever they're calling it now. So what do y'all think about that? Do you see the, see the point that people are misunderstanding Mm -hmm. what we're implying here? Yeah, I don't think that we're saying that all of the nurses were complicit. I think that a lot of the nurses, and especially in the very beginning, these are really well-intentioned. Nobody gets into nursing to harm patients. These are well-intentioned nurses. But the system and the way that it is designed, it's used its well-intentioned nurses to carry out this evil plan. That's what's happened. These nurses think that they're doing the best they can. They're listening to these doctors. A lot of nurses don't really feel like they have the education or they don't feel like they should question a doctor. I, I'm not one of those nurses. I, I will question all day, every day, but many of the nurses don't feel comfortable questioning. So when they, when the doctor says something, they just feel like, okay, well, that must be the best possible um, recourse for this patient. And and they're carrying it out because they are well-intentioned. They want to help their patients. They think they're doing the right well, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's all about following a system and and it, it worked very well. It worked very well when you can trust the data and the science behind that system. What happened, though, in 2020 and in subsequent years leading up to where we are right now is that that system is not to be trusted. Because everything that we had been taught and told, there's no science, there's no safety data Mm -hmm. behind it. And, and, and right. Like I remember when nurse Erin came out and she was recording that they were killing people in hospitals and I didn't see it, but my, you know, 20 something year old daughter saw it and she sent it to me and she said, have you seen this nurse and I was like well did I was like Taylor do you know how many people would have to be complicit in order for that to happen and I said that it's there's no way with the the medical ethics the the safety protocols all those in place that that could be happening and boy was I wrong I was so wrong. And, you know, especially like after blowing the whistle and the manner in which I did, I thought for sure that nurses would be coming out of the woodwork to back me up. And instead they were just silent. Either they would comment on my social media or they would send me a direct message, but people weren't coming out. And, and, you know, backing it up saying, yeah, she's right. Everything she said is accurate. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. When I started Nurse Freedom Network, I assumed I was like, okay, now we have a platform and I'm turning around and I'm looking for all of these nurses that I assume are coming, you know, and I'm looking around and there was like crickets and these nurses who I know that they agreed with me because we'd had these conversations in the hospital at the nurses station. So I knew that they were asking the questions, 
but it's like they stopped. They would not even so much as like a social media post of mine. There are some I haven't talked to in over two years now. They wouldn't so much as like a picture. Yep. I think that they have small panic attacks anytime like Facebook memories come up and I make like share something, a picture of a, a, a nurse colleague. I, I think you have like panic attacks. So I just finally, I just stopped tagging them and stuff. So. <laughs> Well, you know, it's probably one of those things where I I see how many still follow me. And yeah. it's actually the people that I would not expect not to follow me anymore are the ones who don't follow me anymore. The people that okay. I would expect not to follow me are probably caught somewhere in the middle of Oh, I don't know. Should it, should I unfollow her? What if she finds out? She might call me out on social media. Right. Right. <laughs> it just gets like radio silence, you know, and I think it's kind of funny. Um, and I've actually, I've posted and I've talked about that before and I'm like, it's just so funny how these nurses that I have worked with for years and we were always very, you know, um, active together, responding to one another's posts on social media. They just went all completely radio silent. Yeah, completely. Well, guys, I, you know, this is not nurse news analysis, but since we are kind of, <laughs> since we are wrapping up our year in a way, how about we talk about this article real quick before we get to some of your Q and A's? Uh, it is an article that was titled um, "Challenges Contributing to Nursing Shortage in the U.S." And that data says, um, and that's actually data from the American Hospital Association quoted federal data, which indicates an estimated and estimate that half a million nurses would leave the field by the end of 2023, bringing the total shortage to 1.4 million. Uh Wow. Hopefully they're all going to come and see, come see us at Remnant Nursing. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because, you know, we, we talked about in our show last week um, that nursing is a calling. And the, these nurses, now if half a million, whatever percentage of those nurses, you know, are just looking at it as a, th these are probably actually the nurses that we're looking at it as a paycheck and a way of life. <laughs> Right, right. That, that we're like, yeah, this isn't worth it. But for the people that have a heart and the passion, absolutely, remnantnursing.org. Yeah, exactly. We do not still... want every, yeah, we don't want every nurse from this broken system. I will tell you that. Like, if you aren't standing up and speaking out and advocating for your patients, remnant isn't a good fit for you. I'll just say that right now. Right. Absolutely. Well, we are going to be talking about um, the end of the year and um, some more of our escapades, if you will, <laughs> some of our speaking <laughs> engagements um, on the weeks to come. But let's get started with the question or the email that we received from, hold on, let me pull it up from Melanie. And Melanie states, this is a little bit of a long one, but I think it does speak to a lot of different things. So I'm going to read it to you. I'm an environmental research scientist. During March 2020, I was in the middle of a research project 
when I completed it, I began reading almost every single scientific article published about COVID, transmission, deaths, treatments, etc. By May, I knew everything being said during the task force press conferences was so wrong and political. Nothing lined up with the actual science being published from here and around the world. Were y'all aware of this also, or were you too exhausted after work to research or read anything? Let me stop there and let's answer and let's answer that first question. Um, yeah. Kimberly, you want to start with that? Um, I think that, you know, I started researching a lot about different things like masking and ivermectin and all of that. Um, I started re- doing some research because nothing made sense to me in the beginning, but, you know, were we exhausted? Were we uh, too tired? Um, I think many people were, um, and myself included, but I, I felt like I had to start nothing was making sense. I had to start looking for answers. Yeah. For me, I was a retired nurse, so I was not out in the world doing my nursing job. Uh, In 2020, I was the COVID patient in the COVID unit, waking up to the policies that were inside the country that were going to contribute to my demise. So I, I literally, as a person who has multiple sclerosis and has definitely felt an impact on my brain, be affected negatively, felt like my IQ must have grown leaps and bounds during that year and the next year, the level of reading that was required to have to understand what in the heck is going on in my country? What in the world is going on in this hospital? Is this just my community or is this everywhere? What is going on? And the level of reading that I've had to do has been way above my um, IQ level and I've had to grow uh, along with it. And I'm so thankful that we found people like Dr. Peter McCullough, who apparently can just read every single medical journal with such ease that he can give us a synopsis really quick. I know it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And, and quote first author and every single one. Yeah. Every single <laughs> exactly. One. <laughs> I very often will uh, text him or call him like, hey, you remember that study? And he'll just spout it off exactly who the author was, where it's published. You know, he's brilliant. Brilliant. So we couldn't have made it without access to those. And what's so sad is how many people out there, I think a lot of the wake awake people like this person sending the question in. Um, you know, they turn their own selves on, they they ask their critical thinking to turn on, and they actively engaged and um, did what was needed to answer their questions that their conscience was bothering them about. So the awake people did do that. But what's really sad is there was a lot of people who, who had that conscience edging them saying something's wrong. But because of the censorship, they weren't able to get access to a lot of the information that was out there. It was, it was cut off from them. So there, there is reason to have compassion with the people who submitted, like all the nurses I met this week at the hospital, when I was there for a relative, they, they all did not want to get that vaccine, but they got it anyways, because the pressure was unrelenting and they did not know there was resources out there um, promoting what their conscience felt. Well, okay. Here I'll chime in on all that. Um, you know, uh, I remember watching or listening to some documentary. I think it was PBS, and it was PBS in the heart of, um, oh, 
uh, like the ghetto almost, right? And and this one gentleman, you know, th- that they had gone to his door. It was a promo with Fauci, and oh, I think it was Mario Bauer, the mayor of. DC, I think I, I'm pretty sure it was her and Fauci that were going door to door. And they actually left this clip in, which I was shocked. But the the gentleman's like, listen, I don't need a whole lot of education to know that what you guys are pushing is BS. He's like, I see it all around me. You you guys are shoving it down our throat. Um, and, and so as far as education level, I believe I also read another study that it was the highly educated and the least educated, well, the highly educated and the least educated that did not partake in the experimental vaccine program. And I thought that was very interesting because somewhere in the middle, a lot of people did comply and, and, you know, didn't stand up for what they felt was wrong. Um, having said that, to answer the um, Melanie's question, were, was I, were, were you too exhausted after work to research or read anything? Actually, no. And I tell people this all the time in my interviews. I literally breathed and dreamt covid I mean, 24-7, I was surrounded by it. And I was dreaming of all of these things that were like going over and over in my mind that all I could do was research. I researched and educated myself more in four months than it took to get my master's degree. <laughs> like literally, that is That's how true. much time. Yeah, I know. That, I wish we could have... I wish we could get a COVID degree because I do feel like I've earned one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's something we can look into. <laughs> exactly. And so yes. of credit or something that'll transfer. I was, I was just about like, I'm 85% to my master's degree. Um, and can, maybe we can use this as credits to, and like a capstone or something <laughs> can count. And then I'll just get my master's and be done. Cause otherwise I ain't going back. I'll just let you know right now. <laughs> oh, girl, I was almost there. I was like one class away and I was like, I'm not doing it. I don't even care. And now I'm happy because I do have those letters behind my name. But right. that's kind of the only reason. <laughs> exactly. I just don't, I just don't feel like I, I can I can wrap my head around. I mean, because it was terrible anyway. All of the the stuff, the the, you know, follow the science, the evidence-based practice, and all of the the mantras that you have to follow. And you as soon as you step out of um, that, that way of thinking. And I am kind of, I don't want to say I'm a rebel. I'm kind of a rebel. Um, but I'm kind of going to be the unconventional person in every class. Like I'm going to go against the grain every time. Yeah, that, that was actually me too. In nursing school. I remember, uh, when I first started, they, you know, the advice that I got from people was <clears throat> keep your head down. Don't cause yep. attention to yourself and get your work done and then be done with it. And really, that's kind of what I followed. I mean, there was a lot of things that were happening that were causes that I could stand behind. But I remember telling myself, like, Jody, you've done this your whole life and you know what happens. You 
you know, people come to you wanting you to be the leader in whatever it is, you know, different scheduling, changing schedules on the floor, whatever the case may be throughout my whole life. Um, and I was like, this time I'm not doing anything. Don't even look to me. Don't even talk to me. I am going to work and I am going to school and I'm going to be done with this. And then here I go being like a whistleblower. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it worked out about as well as for you as it did for me because there's just you know I think it's just it, it's in, ingrained in us. It's our very nature, and it's really difficult to turn that off. Yeah, yeah, and we it tried. was. Difficult. I know I tried, and I know you tried, but we can't. We can't shut off who we are. Um, this is just innately um, who we are as as people, as individuals, and this is who God created us to be for such a time as this. So yeah, correct. And and here's another thing I'd like to add to that. What were we too exhausted after work to research or read anything? No, especially in the beginning. How many hospitals were dead? People were not coming to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They were scared. They shut down surgery. So even your PACU patients on MedSurge weren't even getting admitted. And so the hospitals were slow. Remember, we were, the, you know, TikTok dances. Exactly. And I can go back to my, like, to my Facebook memories at the height of COVID. And you can see me being put on call, being put on call, being put on call over and over again. Um, so, yeah, we weren't. And and literally, they had pe- And uh, what was happening, right? It wasn't so much that the hospitals were overflowing with patients. They had these patients that were afraid to come in, like you mentioned, like the media had people afraid to even breathe air. So if you think that they're going to come into a hospital that's full of germs, you know, no. But what was happening was that these patients were waiting too long to come in for these, you know, they're not even COVID, just their regular medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Their, you know, their diabetes, their congestive heart failure, their C- uh, COPD, all of those things that we usually deal with in the ICU. We were full of people like that who just waited too long. And then yeah, they were right. sick sometimes right. to the point where we couldn't save them because they had waited too long. And again, that's a direct result of the media and their fear porn that they put out 24-7 with their death tickers. Yeah, I was um, that patient that went in in 2020. I went in on day five of COVID and then on day 10 of COVID. And on day 10 of COVID, I knew I, knew I was in trouble because on the, the fifth day, the National Guard had met me at the door and made sure that my spouse did not walk inside with me. So, I mean, first red flag, you know, you're in this on your own. And when you're coming back for the second time, you know, I brought my stronger big son with me to say, they're not going to make you leave me alone. You're going to walk all the way inside with me. And I would not even say I was a fearful person that the fear propaganda was working on me. But yet I do remember thinking, you're, you're going to the COVID unit this time, Michelle. And if everything they're saying is true, you're not coming out of this place. I remember thinking that was a possible outcome for me. And when it, when somebody asked, you know, was I too tired after I make it out alive and I'm, I'm trying to uh, fight for myself to be able to make it and finding out none of my doctors had any counsel or advice for me. And they were out there saying, you know, take your Tylenol and cough syrup and uh, only go to the hospital when you have difficulty breathing. When you know you're alone and you're a nurse and you're the patient. I mean, I, I devoured the research. Fatigue and sickness and recovery and oxygen at night did not stop me from needing to desperately read everything that was possibly out there. Yeah. 
there you go. There you have it there. And on top of it, th th this is not an excuse, you know, to say research, you know, too tired or, or anything like that, because it is your professional obligation to Absolutely. be informed on evidence-based practice. And so the fact that so many nurses and doctors and other professionals out there that trusted what some talking heads from three letter agencies had to say as the word of God is completely despicable to me. It we we took an oath and we we had to uphold it. And so yeah. So when we come back from the break, guys, we'll I'll finish off this second question and we'll get to a couple of more. Um, this story actually ends in um, quite a comical way, in a way, a very sad but comical way. Um, but don't forget to go to AmericaOutloud.shop and check out ASEA. I have another amazing story of the Sia Redox Gel. I have been traveling on vacation with my 14-year-old. I am planning on doing a show uh, on that. And we were, our first stop was Columbia in the mountains of Columbia, about 7,000 feet up there. And my son got bit up by mosquitoes. Overnight, we counted 38 mosquitoes on his body, and it was just very taxing for him. And we used the ASEA Redox Gel. I put it on everything now. I put it on a pimple. I put it on everywhere. But check it's out like ASEA the Windex. It's like the Windex in my big fat Creek wedding. Say that again. I remember the Windex in that movie, My Big Fat Creek Wedding, and he would spray <laughs> Windex on everything. That's like the ASEA. It totally is, especially That's that funny. gel, man. It is just, it's, it helps with, uh, and in pain, it helps with inflammation. It helps with mosquito bites. I've, I've, you know, used it and I know it firsthand. So yeah, we've heard hemorrhoids, sexual enhancement, um, impotence. Everything's been reported to us. It's unbelievable. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so go to americaoutloud.shop and check out ASEA for the exclusive discounts for America Out Loud Talk radio listeners. And we will be right back after the break. It's time and this is what. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. 
Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on this episode, this Q&A of Nurses Out Loud. We did spend some time in the beginning of the show talking about our one-year anniversary and reminiscing over some of our favorite shows and um, the state of nursing as it is now in December of 2023. And so we received an email from Melanie. The first half we talked about um, if we were too exhausted as nurses to research anything from the beginning of COVID. And we addressed that one. And so now she goes on to say, I'm just curious because my general practitioner had time to read the latest science, but he chose not to. My department head at the university, where she is an environmental research scientist, said uh, where she was working at the time and many other scientists I work with or that I knew were not reading the scientific research coming out, which seemed like daily. I couldn't believe it. Scientists not reading the actual research, but by their Facebook quotes, we're listening to Fauci, CNN or NBC, MSNBC. I didn't consider any of them as scientists afterward. So sad. I never spoke up or spoke my mind because I was afraid to lose my job, but I regret it now. Even the department head, in fall of 2020, stated she was freaking out until the age was lowered on one of the vaccines 
so her daughter, her teenager could get it before school started back. I have three kids and was thinking, oh my God, is she insane? There was no way in hell my children would receive a vaccine that was not tested. I realized just how dumb she turned out to be. That semester, I showed college freshmen how to think for themselves. I showed them where to find and how to read scientific journals. And I showed them on the U.S. government clinical trial website where all of the vaccines were, either just now recruiting people for trials to take the vaccine or where some were being tested in phase two or phase three. I could see the students' minds working overtime, going over every lie they'd heard about vaccines. I even had them do research using journal articles on the vaccines, masks, and effects of lockdowns on children, and then talk about their research to the class. Very eye-opening and shocking to limit to them. It was incredible to watch. Also, well, let me stop there, because then she just... Uh, says her little funny thing. But guys, like how much can we relate to that? How many people we respected and trusted professionally and personally that reacted the same way that were just parrots parroting the media? Yeah, I was I was really disappointed. I've been in healthcare for nearly 30 years now. And there's so many um, physicians that I have worked with. And you know, we've become close. We're like family, right? And I was so disappointed to see them not thinking for themselves, not asking questions, and simply just parroting um, you know, the, the information from the talking heads. And then we had uh, really courageous, brave doctors that came out, if you remember, in the very beginning of the pandemic, when they had the doctors in their white coats, which I hate the white coats, but anyway, on the on the uh, lawn of the, the White House, we had Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. Stella Emanuel, Dr. Simone Gold, um, and others who were, you know, brave enough to come together and speak out and how they were just completely discarded and I mean, these are not, you know, fly by night physicians. These are these were really well established, educated, um, and and well respected physicians in their field, and they were completely ignored and discarded as quacks. I had never seen anything like it. Yeah, no, I agree I, I, completely. And then let's not forget about those two doctors in, out of uh, California that were going through all of the, like the, um, the data that they were seeing. I, I forgot, what were their names? Were I can't remember and I'm trying to do a video together and I cannot remember, I can't find the video anywhere. I would love to follow up with those two because they were some of the, the first ones that I had ever seen coming out and talking about like natural immunity and all of that stuff and really starting to ask the question. I think one of them was a chiropractor, maybe. Am I wrong? No, they own um they they owned a chain of of urgent cares. And yeah, and they were breaking down the data saying like this isn't that bad. The, you know, yeah. and and they just got pummeled. I do actually follow one of them on Facebook and and all of a sudden, their tune, but I don't say their tune changed, but they just stopped talking. I think they just, yeah. you know, they, they had a lot to, they, they were doing a lot of good in the community, 
right? And they had like three or four different urgent care. So I think they kind of just took a step back from the spotlight and just treated people. Um, unless I'm, uh, you know, just hopeful that that's what they did. But yeah, I could totally relate. I mean, there were, I literally felt like I was walking around, you know, in the walking dead and just, you know, showing them the truth <laughs> and, and just being in the twilight zone. Like I say, you know, it just every single day, it was like, am I the crazy one? Am I crazy? And then I'm like, no, this isn't black and white. I'm seeing it in front of my face. You know, I can't. Uh, yeah. So no, I totally I'm agree with you, with Melanie. I am impressed with her um, decision to take the role that she that teachers should be to um, make sure that those classmates, those those students were not going to leave her class ignorant and just saying, you know, make sure to read your clinical studies. And in fact, actually training them how to and putting data in front of them that would make them more likely to question in the future because here, those same students were going to go home and hear the propaganda on the news. Those same students were going to hear the the mantra being posed everywhere else they went. But when they came into that class, that class was making sure they saw that, oh, the data doesn't actually match what's going on out there in the media. Maybe I should question things. I love it. I'm, I'm proud of her. I'm I yeah I think you're a hero Melanie I mean I I truly do and here's a good example of not leaving the system like in in that manner you know you said that you know thank you for being honest and saying that you wish you would have spoke out earlier um but you were afraid of losing your job well what you did was even better than walking away you decided to say, hey, we're going to choose some studies. I'm going to break it down for you to actually figure out how to decipher good studies from bad studies and the data and the analysis and actually teach them. I, I think that, that that's remarkable. And you helped way more people than you could ever imagine by by doing that with their students because all they did was go out and hopefully share it with their friends and family as well. Yes, Melanie is matching the theme of Nurses Out Loud, taking what you hear here, what you are become aware of and what you become awake to, to your neighbors, to your community and actually make sure they hear it. And an idea occurred to me that we could actually promote an idea here that nurses that have left the profession, let's say that you're back home and you are married. Maybe you do not have to have that second income. You do have a provider that is able to provide for you and you've been able to sustain your life without um, having to go back into the profession. You don't feel dependent like maybe other people do out there that are listening. But if you're among the not dependent on that second um profession to get your bills paid, perhaps we all ought to encourage you to actually go penetrate the profession anyways and risk getting fired. And it doesn't matter. You're not building your resume anyways. Literally get in there and be a part of the problem for them by you infiltrating them and sharing data and being the person who opens your mouth and says things. And when they don't want you anymore, you leave. There's no skin off your back. Just go to the next job and do the same thing until you're done entertaining yourself. Right. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's also a great idea. I think absolutely you're, you know, it, it would be cool to, I'm going to reach out to her on email as well and see if she wants to do an episode with us 
on uh, teaching people how to read research articles. Just what she what she yeah. spoke with her class. Do it for our listeners as well. I'm going to actually have Dr. Brownstein on. And when we were at the last conference, Dr. David Brownstein, he actually requires all of the student physicians who come through his practice to do their term with him. They are required. The first thing they have to do is he sits them down and and torments them through how to actually read the data. He said, if we actually had doctors and nurses who actually did know how to read the data, we would not have had the problem we had in this country, but apparently even the medical schools and the nursing schools are failing at teaching the students how to actually read medical data. And that's why we have the problem we have. And when people say to me, you know, what, what is the mass exodus reflect? I said, the people who actually read the data, the people yeah. who read the data left. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They either, or the ones that didn't want to, did not feel nursing was a calling and just looked at it as a good hourly paycheck with uh with shifts that you could get <laughs> no matter what right with an abundance of work oh yeah all right so she closes it out with this and she says also as a side note when my family all got covid me and my two teen daughters received monoclonal antibodies in an ambulance bay in an alley. Picture the three of us sitting in my car with IVs, either hanging from the sun visor or running outside the car hanging on an IV stand. I laugh so hard every time I think about it. My teens didn't understand the significance of the oddity, but one of them said, mom, this is so sketch. <laughs> When we pulled into the alley, even the paramedics were laughing at her comment. Anyways, I figured y'all would appreciate the humor of the situation, showing how upside down everything was. Thanks and sorry for the rambling, Melanie. <laughs> we love you, Melanie. I think somebody should get Melanie on the show. I know. Like, I mean, I, I, that's how I felt about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I had to remind myself because I would, I would give out the physician who was prescribing it. Right. And I, and I gave that out to so many people and I thought you, you, you can't be doing this. And then I thought, well, why not? I'm not the one prescribing it, <laughs> yeah. you know? Or just giving information and education. And that's what nurse, that is absolutely in the scope of practice for nurses is education. And that's what we're doing. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we were doing. And so thanks for, for sharing all of this with us, Melanie. And um, yeah, here we go. Like, where did we come to having to get medication in an alley? Like, <laughs> this is so nuts. Yeah, when I was on the airplane as the last person recently, because I was the handicapped girl, and there was at least 700 people on that plane, um, I, all, I got friends with all the stewardesses and people that were cleaning up afterwards. And I, of course, told them what I do and everything. And one of the guys that was cleaning up, I mean, he looked like he just was um, a guy that just didn't have much in the world. And I said, yeah, you, you all may have stories that need to be told. People need to hear your stories. And he said, you mean you put me on the radio show if I had a story to tell about COVID? I said, absolutely. Here's my card. We want to hear your stories. You're the one that knows what actually went down in your community. Like Melanie's telling us here, we want to hear your stories. We want the people to hear your stories. 
Right. Exactly. So submit your questions to nurses at americaoutloud.com. That's nurses at americaoutloud.com. And we will be doing our Q&As every week. And so let's get to, we have this last, well, we don't have a whole lot of time left, uh, but here, this is from Lisa. She said, had COVID the first time on October 8th. Since then, terrible issues with GI system. Would like to restart iodine nasal, but I'm sure the burning in my nose will be off the charts. Xclear has grapefruit extract, so con- so I'm concerned about GI. Any other options? Well, she's probably putting in the nasal spray wrong. That's the first thing I'll tell her is that if you're pointing it straight up to your brain, that's why you're having that terrible experience. You need to point it toward the center of your septum of your nose on each side and then rub it in. So that'll help you. And if you're if you're sick, you already have inflamed sinuses. So something you could do before you put the iodine in is either nebulize with just saline or get some simple saline nasal spray moisten your sinuses and then put the iodine in because you have an inflamed sinuses. And when that iodine lands on it and doing the job it needs to do, it's not harming you. It's going to have that burn if you do shoot it up uh, in the direction that's going to be so direct. So that's one thing. And the Xlear, as good as it is as a prophylactic, it doesn't have a kill rate that's very rapid. Its kill rate is actually 24 hours, whereas the kill rate of iodine is 10 seconds. So if you're sick, we want you to be using the iodine if you can, because we want to stop replication in your nose and mouth. What was her other complaint though? She said that that since she had COVID, um, she's had terrible issues with her GI. Yeah, it's probably what we all the doctors recommend for the early treatment that you should be on a good probiotic. What do you think, Kimberly? You know, I I think that's probably true about the probiotic, but I do I want to say, you know, to uh re- do reach out to us at Remnant Nursing. We have been uh we do a lot of individualized wellness plans and we do a lot of work with long covid and we're seeing uh, uh, some great success with some of the protocols that we're using but we don't you know everything is individualized so i don't really make recommendations i have to get every you know the whole history and all of that and then uh, based on that we do make individualized recommendations for our clients but we've had great great success so uh, if you want to visit our website and schedule a consultation with one of our nurses we would be glad to help you with that it's remnant nursing org. Um, it is a private membership association, so we do need um, membership is required, but plan start is thirty dollars a month, so it's a really affordable option. And again, we're seeing such great results, so I, I uh, would encourage you to do that. And Kimberly, can people stay in the membership until they're through their long COVID? Like they can do it for the three or six months that they're sick or recovering, and then they can get out of the membership. Is that how it works? Yes, you can cancel at any time, um, which I, you know, I wanted to make sure that people understood that they weren't going to be trapped into something. But most people, once they sign up and they start to feel and see that difference, because there is an exceptional level of service that we are providing and our clients see that difference immediately. So most of them do stick around um, and continue to get ongoing care through our team. And uh, I haven't had too many people that have wanted to cancel. But yes, you can cancel at any time. Yeah. And I'll say with the GI system, I mean, the GI has always been um, that and diabetes has always been like kind of my jam. And I have learned more 
about the GI system in the last year or so than I ever thought that I already knew. Um, Keeping the GI system in a healthy environment is is not easy with our diet and you know and all the environmental toxins and so like kimberly said i mean this isn't that's not something that we could just answer you know and you know write outright because you know i think there's a detoxing um is a big one you know doing a, a gi detox fasting, I I find to be extremely beneficial. And um, so I would recommend, yeah, talking with someone like-minded, like the, you know, nurses at Remnant Nursing. And there's all kinds of tests, guys, like healthcare, it's it's a lot more affordable. Uh, You know, people do use their HSA account to meet up and to get lab work done. Uh, it's not expensive, like even without insurance, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she goes on to say, what is the general time frame for natural immunity? Well, and that's another one. That's why we also knew that these experimental MRNA injections and the technology and the biologic agents would not work with a a type of coronavirus, if you will, right? Although I do subscribe to the belief too that it is poisoning with these plasmids. And if your terrain in your GI system, it likes to bind and have an affinity for like E. coli and stuff. So Ah, you know, if we're just talking allopathically in a way, um, you know, the coronavirus mutates so rapidly. That's why there was never, um, you know, uh, a vaccine for the AKA common cold. So um, I think, you know, for any virus or whatever you come in contact with, depending on the viral load that you received and how your body mounted up an immune response toward it is going to be dependent on, you know, what your body recognizes, AKA natural immunity for any invaders that it should meet in the future. Right. I've got a daughter who has an immune suppressed situation, so she doesn't mount immunity very well, but we do know this, those of us that had natural COVID originally in 2020 in the early days, every time we've been exposed to COVID since then, it's milder and milder for us. I mean, when I, I know when I've been exposed to a COVID patient now, because my voice will deepen for just about 48 hours and I'll spray the um, immune mist in my throat for the iodine benefit. And before I know it, it's over. I really think uh, maybe I'll get a headache but I do not get sick. I do not get down with a fever and have body aches and malaise and all that. So I think that all you can count on this for sure. You've had the natural disease, your body's doing what it's supposed to, unless you're one of the immune suppressed people, you should be mounting sufficient immunity that you're not going to likely see this again for several months, if not another year or more. Yep. Yep. Then there you have it. We actually just have a couple of minutes left I want to ask each of you ladies to take one minute um, and close out the show for the listeners. Something maybe like your mantra for 2024. My mantra for 2024? 
Yeah. Or if what what was your mantra for 2023? Hope. Hope was mine for 2023. And I felt it coming throughout the entire time that hope was coming and hope was here. And I think that all the medical professionals and the people that are in this movement are giving hope and help to the American people right now. The people who were afraid and ashamed to admit they got the vaccine are now are harmed or regret it. They're coming forward and they're finding hope and help. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. Yeah. For me, it's going to be a uh, solution because I think, you know, I think we're, we're tired of talking about the problem. We've identified the problem a thousand times over and let's start talking about solutions and moving forward. So for 2024, for me, that's what the focus is going to be shifting the paradigm in healthcare. We're going to be very solution-based um, in our approach. And again, you know, we know what the problem is. We acknowledge it, but it's time to move forward, get solutions and get a new system up and going. Yeah. And be, be stir the pot. You, If you're out there and you're awake, Say something everywhere you go and wake people up mm-hmm. because they're saying that 2024 is going to be cray cray. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure it's an election year, so you can only expect it to be, right? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's going to be crazy. And so, uh, well, kind of like what I've been doing is, you know, starting to really live my life again, get a schedule down and, and uh, travel and experience joy and just be positive and be, you know, just be that light. You know, I think as as the world gets darker, our light, light shine brighter. And so, you know, really shine your light, right? Live, live life out loud. And like Michelle said, speak up, stop caring about what other people think. And, you know, don't, don't regret your choices. If there's a calling or a tugging on your heart to do something, then go out there and live it and trust God through it all. And, and really, you know, shine your light because the world needs it. And yeah, and we'll leave you all with that. But that's all the time we have for today, friends. Remember, we are here on air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics, answer your questions. We love you engaging with us more Um, because we want to empower you with the information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Jodi O'Malley. And joining me today was Nurse Michelle and Nurse Kimberly. And you can find us here pretty much every single day of the week. We've been been doing a lot of shows together, which I love. God bless you all. See you next time. Whoa.